Good day, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. We are back. Hope you are well and everything is going well with you. The European leagues, the major European leagues have ended. Real Madrid won the Champions League, and that just leaves the Nordic leagues at this moment in time, pretty much, doesn't it, Steve, in terms of um, ongoing leagues? So uh, delighted to welcome you to this episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. Steve, how are you, my friend? Jonathan, I'm, I'm okay. I'm a little bit better this week, my uh, my good pal. And uh, yes, although we are going on a, a bit of a, well, should we call it an early summer break for both leagues now? Certainly, I think Sweden has a good three weeks off. Norway, not far off that either. We've got international matches uh, coming. So, yeah, a bit of a break, which is kind of maybe needed for some teams. Um, but um, yeah, we're well into the season now and it's exciting stuff. Yeah, just looking at the next round of um, Elitserien fixtures, isn't until actually the 18th of June. Uh, we're currently at the end of May as we record this. We just had a round on Saturday and Sunday, 28th and 29th of May in Norway. We are going to start in Norway. Uh, so, And then in part two, we will head over to Sweden and catch up with the latest going on in Sweden. And I have to say, before we get into this show, thank you so much to everyone who's uh, left a question uh, on Twitter, at NordicFootPod. We put out a call for questions this week and we've been inundated 17 questions as, as we stand at the time of uh, recording. Uh, so we're going to try and get, get through as many of them as we can, uh, as well as bringing you the latest from both leagues. So uh, a lot to get our teeth into. So let, let's get started, Steve. I'm going to read out the results from um, last week's games. So uh, May 28th, uh, that was the day of the Champions League final. We had Hamcam 1, Odd 2, Strumsgod set 3, Viking 2, and then, of course, Remagin 1, Liverpool nil. if anyone missed that. Uh, Sunday, 29th of May, Haugesen 2, Arlesen 2, FK Jörv 0, Salzburg 5, Buda Glimt lost away to Mulder 3-1 in that game, big game, top of the table clash, Tromsa 2, Lillestrom 2, and then Wallerenga 0, Rosenborg 4, uh, battering for Wallerenga there. Um, just in case anyone missed it as well, because we did have a mid- midweek round since we recorded um, the last episode, uh, mid-May, uh, sorry, 25th of May and 26th of May. We had Arlison 2, Yerv 1, Glimp 2, Strumsgosset 2. So tough uh, run of fixtures for Glimp, um, one point from six. Odd nil, Sandefield 1, Viking 1, Hamcam 1, Lillestrom 2, Wallerengen 0. And then on the Thursday, we had Rosenborg 3, Haugesen 3, and Sarsborg 1, Mulder 2, which leaves the table currently looking um, well, a little bit different. You know, it's been a bit of an unpredictable season, hasn't it? And we will talk about that in the pod, but Lillestrom currently top after 10 games, 24 points. Mulder in second, 22 points, 10 games played. And Viking third, 11 games played, 21 points. Strom's God set four. So really topsy-turvy table. Steve, let's get you started. Um, the first place we want to start this episode, isn't it, really, with the Mulder glimp game. Huge result for Mulder, that. Huge win for them. And um, I did uh, the preview show this week on for those who uh, are on Patreon, and I suggested that I expected Voodoo Glimp to actually put up a good performance here. And at least not lose the game. Um, usually they raise it for big occasions, but on this occasion they couldn't quite do it. And um, I think the XG for this game, Glimt certainly edged it. I think they were over like 2.25 XG compared to Mulder, which was like 1.6, I think. So in a way they were a bit unlucky here, Buda Glimt, but they they haven't kept a clean sheet yet this season, Jonathan. And th- that's the fundamental problem for this team. Um, Again, I think they've been a bit unlucky in terms of their raw statistics and numbers. But Mulder, it was just their day. They took their chances. 
uh, when it mattered. And, um, you know, they, they've now beaten Budigan twice this season, once in the cup final and now in the league. And I guess the manager will say, you know what, I was right to switch to this 3-4-3 formation. It's got us second in the table now. We've won five games in a row, beating Glimp twice. And at the moment, it's looking uh, quite good for Mulder. Yeah, it's looking quite good for Mulder. As, as you say, they're second in the table, definitely in sort of in, in contention for that for that title race. Um, Steve, what are your thoughts? I mean, obviously, the, the opening goal from uh, Grudem, that trophy Fana, your man, is on the score sheet. Then Mugisha and Hoybra and Ungol uh, contributed to this 3-1 uh, loss uh, for, for Buda Glim. And it's not been a great time for them. And, and, you know, while we can, let's fill in one of our first of our 17 questions, I guess. We did have a question from uh, a, a follower who goes by the name of... Team Overs, wasn't it? Well, no, I'm going to go for FPL Pasty, at FPL underscore Pasty. He says... Budaglimt, are they not the force of the last couple of seasons? And that's the first question I'm going to uh, ask you, Steve. Mm, that's a good question. I mean, we, we seem to get this question every week, every week now, don't we? And it's a it's fairly legit. They haven't been the same this season, that's for sure. Um, it's been a build-up of uh, a lot of matches. They're obviously they're in Europe. They had the cup round as well to deal with. And they haven't quite been the same really since the going over from um, Mourinho's Roma. I think there has still been a hangover from that fixture, and they're, they're definitely going to be pleased uh, that there's a three, you know, two, three week break here because they can reset and, and stuff like that. They have lost quality. Let's be honest, they have, and you can't keep losing your best players and expect to uh, keep performing. I mean, they've done remarkably well, um, you know, last season after still losing a lot. They certainly, I certainly haven't given up on Budigan, Jonathan. They, um, I think, I expect them to come rebounding back. They've got a decent set of fixtures coming up soon. But, um, yeah, so far, you know, it, it looks like they're not the force of what they were. So uh, that's a simple answer. When you say they've not really recovered from the, the, the loss to Roma, uh, do you mean physically in terms of injuries or do you just mean like mentally? I mean, we know what happened with the manager. Um, Getty Knutson obviously commented saying that he was thinking of even quitting football. I mean, mentally. I Mourinho can get a manager's head. Mm. It wasn't just that. Hangover. What, what do you attribute this to? Because that's it's not a good sign, is it? I think for like two and a half years, everyone loved Buda Glimp, the storyline, this almost romantic tale of a, a side that had come from nowhere to, to really win two league titles in a row. Everyone was loving Buda Glimp, apart from Tromso fans. Everyone was loving this team. And then you get to a stage where there's, you know, sort of jealousy sits in. It's like, you know, they're not the new kids on the block anymore and everyone kind of wants to beat them. And I think the Roma match was kind of a watershed in that a little bit. That they were kind of um, everything's been done in quite a nice way. They've enjoyed their football, but you know Mourinho and that kind of brought his dark arts to the table, more the nasty side of football a little bit. And um, I think it kind of shell shocked them a bit. There was the Ulrich Saltner's red card against Viking, which didn't go down particularly well. I think every time now they don't do things as well. Knutson comes under some criticism because they expect because they raise the bar so high. Now, when things aren't going so well, there's, there's question marks now. So I think it's just a collection of things adding up. They did have some injuries, but it's not been too bad. But I've looked at the the raw numbers. They're actually, before the Molder game, they had the best average uh, expected goals against in the league. So statistically, it was the best defence, even though they conceded a few goals. Um, but the big thing is they're, they're, they're down on their XG this year, Jonathan. They're not scoring as many goals uh, as, as in the past, and they're not, probably creating as many big chances in the past 
quite what that put i can put that down to i'm not entirely sure maybe it's a change of personnel maybe it's teams have worked out a different way to play against them maybe they just need to reset a bit they do look a little bit leggy and um you're not quite as uh as up for it physically a little bit i've seen it happen in my own team Leeds united with bielsa you know, after a certain amount of time you kind of lose a little bit of uh the physical drive don't you when you push so hard so it's a collection of things i think yeah interesting analysis there from you and um, and it leads on to uh you know well there's plenty more questions i guess here but um you mentioned the sort of. I just want to ask you about their recruitment as well. Do you, do you think that they need to maybe spend in this upcoming? You know, there's, we've got the summer window coming. We'll obviously go into that in more detail in, in future pods. But uh, do you think that they are going to be looking to recruit? Do you think they'll be very active, or do you think that they've been poorly recruiting in this? Uh, you know, this winter window just gone because traditionally they've been so good at replacing players, but they have lost so many, haven't they? I think they need to look at a goalkeeper. I've noticed recently that there's been some... I mean, I talked about Mads Christensen pre-season. He was in my tent to watch on the Patreon videos. Karlstrom at Mulder has actually done a lot better than I expected. And of the big teams, or the teams that are up there, they have the, the weakest goalkeeper, in my opinion, in Nikita Kaikin, who at times has done well in the last two and a half years. But uh, really, I, sometimes I've got to ask the question, was he really being tested that much? Did he have that much to do? And probably not. He came up big in some moments, but he's not had a good season. And goalkeeper can make a big difference to you. I think they've probably missed Marius Luda more than um, people expected as well. And obviously, Frederick Andre Bjerkan was maybe the best player in the entire league. And, um, you know, when Mangoma has not done too badly in that spot, in fairness, but he's not a natural left footer. I'd be looking at a left back, a natural left back, probably a goalkeeper, and maybe another centre back as well. I think that's the area they need to improve a little bit. I think the rest of the team is not looking too bad, especially when Solbach and comes back from his injury. Um, but uh, yeah, I think maybe they do need certainly a couple of reinforcements. Good stuff. Thanks for that, Steve. And thanks for your question there, FPL Pasty. Uh, in other games, obviously that leaves Buda Glimp now in eighth place, which is crazy. I mean, I know they've played nine games, got a game in hand on Lillestrom, but even if they were to win that game in hand, they would still be eight points behind or 11 points behind. Uh, Listen at the top, which is crazy, really, for for this Buda Glimp team. Only three wins all season in nine games. Uh, let's move on. You want to now discuss Viking because they have had a mm. bit of a rough time of it. A couple of defeats. Just before that, I will go uh, to Team Overs' question: Who's more likely to win the league, Buda Glimp or Malmo? Um, I mean, from, from my perspective, <laughs> I think. Uh, I actually would say, probably say Malmo, but I don't know if you'd agree with that or not. But uh, neither at the minute, is it? But uh, yeah, Viking, uh, Jonathan. Um, yeah, they've been going well, but they lost against Strom's Godset. Another match where the XG story was a lot different to the result. Viking, for me, should have not lost this game. It was one all, and they missed chances to go 2-1 up when they got punished. Godset are just on this mad run where... A lot of things are going their way. They're playing some good football, but they're also getting a bit lucky in, in some of their matches. Um, this was one of them. Viking might look back at this and think, this was three points that we let slip because if they won that, they'd be up to 24. They're still in the hunt, but they've only won one of the last five now, Viking. They've massively missed Latko Tripic, who has missed uh, quite a lot of games recently. Crucial attacker, big part of the team. And I think it's affected them in a negative way. And it's allowed you know, your Moulders and your Lillestrums to sort of take advantage of that. So disappointing result for them. But performance was, was still strong, though. So they'll look back at this one with regrets. 
Yeah, uh, Johan Hoeve gave Skodzet the lead. Berisha with a penalty to equalise. Lars Jorgen Salvesen made it 2-1. Hermann Stengel with a penalty to make it 3-1. And then Berisha again narrowed the deficit to 3-2 in the 71st minute, but not enough. And Godset get the win. Um, Steve, just want to give a shout out to Alex at P2P underscore Alex. Uh, his question was about Glimp, which we've answered, which was the selling of players. Is that finally catching up with Boodoo? I think you answered that in your last question. So thanks so much to you, Alex, for listening and engaging. Um, but the next question uh, is about Godset, in fact. It's a question we got from Minas Vergis, who asks, is Johan Hove arguably the hottest under-23 name in the Elite Serum right now? And what is his ceiling, in your opinion? I'm pretty sure I did uh, an article about him on uh, Wide Scout. Uh, it was either last season or the season before. Certainly, he was one of the player profiles that I did. He's come out of nowhere this season. He, he started the season slowly. A lot of players did, but God said, by the way, they, they didn't come out of the traps well. But he's just been on fire of late. Um, five goals in his last four games, two assists. And he just, there's none stop. He's a really good boxer, box midfielder. He gets into some fantastic positions in that penalty area. He just has a great sense of where he needs to uh, be to score a goal. And, uh, you know, he's not that old. Uh, 21, he's 22 in September. He's now seemingly maturing even more. And he's not in the greatest team in the world either. So for, for him to be performing like this at Godset is, is quite impressive. Uh, what is his actual ceiling? Really, really hard to say. Um, I don't know. I think maybe physically he just needs to still improve a little bit. But obviously, I think the ceiling is higher than uh, Lutasarian level. Um, somewhere like Eredivisie, maybe. Something It's really hard to say sometimes, isn't it? And what was the other part of the question? Is he the hottest talent in the league right now? Or young talent in the league? Yeah, I mean, there's not that many, actually, at the moment. The, the cup is a little bit bare. It comes. It will come um, full again soon. But yeah, he probably is the standout player of his age category. Twenty-one-year-old. Uh, he's got. He's played ten games a season in the league, six goals, two assists. What kind of player is he, Steve? Box-to-box midfielder, really. I would say he's someone who who um, arrives into the box late and finds good positions. Um, I t- I did a really in-depth piece on him. For Weisgar, I'll have to see if I can dig it out somewhere and, and link it in, because uh, it was there was a great deal of research done in um, last season. I don't think he was as quite as strong as uh, he was in 20, 2020. That was it. He had a great breakout campaign in twenty twenty. Last season he wasn't quite as strong, but he seems to have rebounded now after a, a, a groggy start. Well, the, their whole team had a groggy start, but they've made a few personnel changes to um to really uh, help things out at godset there and um he looks to be well on his way you know on absolute fire he, he definitely didn't and did not want this early summer break to come because godset are playing great football right now yeah and he's an under 21 international as well for norway um you know his name is johan hove or maybe brighton and hove albion might be looking at him who knows they tend to scout this region quite well uh so thanks a lot for your question there at minas uh, minas vergis um and yeah, no, a decent win for for Godset there, Steve. You want to um, talk about Lillestrøm now because they're top of the table, uh, they're unbeaten. They are the team to beat at this moment in time, aren't they? Yeah, I'm surprised that they are the only remaining unbeaten side after ten games, uh, seven wins, three draws. They very nearly beat Tromso as well on Sunday. They were two one up, but conceded late. 
Now, that for me was a trap game for them because they'd just beaten Volarenga in a big a local derby on um, on the 25th of May. And I thought there'd be a flat, a bit flat going up to a Tromso side who actually had a whole week off. So for me, that was a trap game and they very nearly won it. So that, that showed good mental resolve and um, you know qualities in that respect. Although to concede a free kick in the 90th minute um, ahead of from a set piece, I think was a little bit poor. But that maybe was that the week had caught up with them. But they'll take a point there. I think it's not a bad point. They are in title contention, for sure. I don't think their underlying numbers are as strong as someone like a Mulder or a Viking, or even a couple of others for that matter. But they've got a good thing going here at Lillestrøm, a good mix of physical, technical. The home field advantage is, is crucial for them. They've still not conceded a goal at home. Like They've played five games, five wins, ten goals scored, none, none conceded. They haven't conceded on their own field. Grass pitch in, uh, in Orasen. Uh, stadium and um, it's a it's a hard surface for a lot of teams to come. Not many teams play on grass now in Norway, so I think for for, for a lot of the visitors who come there, then they find it quite quite difficult. But this is a good mix of a team. My gut feeling tells me I don't think they'll go and win the league, but um, you have to consider them a, uh, a contender. Yeah, doing really well. We did talk about them on the last episode as well. Um, we've got one question. It's another one of our questions at Harry Nathan four hundred four. Harry Nathan. Uh, a loyal supporter and follower. I really appreciate your support. He says, how has there been such a big diff- big reverse between Lillestrøm and Wallerenga? In 2020, uh, VIF finished third and LSK weren't even in the league. Two years later, LSK are top after 10 games and VIF are 11th. Having played more games than four sides below them, they could drop to 13th. Um, let's keep your thoughts on Wallerenga for now because we'll come to them later, uh, unless you wanted to sort of briefly mention them, Steve, But because uh, we've got a few questions about mm. them. But, you know, how has it been such a big reverse between these two teams in, in general and with focus on Illustrum? Yeah, I think it, we've said it before. They are an example of where relegation is actually a good thing for a club. And the same might actually happen to Brand again. Uh, Brand recently beats uh, Mjøndalen 7-0, by the way, and uh, they look like they're going to return immediately. But I think Lillestrøm needed a reset and they've come back up. And sometimes when you come back up, you're a lot more hungry, aren't you? I sense the fans are really wanting it more, you know, because they had them difficult times and they're enjoying it an awful lot more. Uh, since they've come back up, but they've got a, a manager, Gare Backer, who historically w- was, you know, t- tactically astute, well respected, and got the best out of teams. Uh, but he was always four four two, from what I remember him as. But he adapted his system into this three four three or three four one two, whatever you want to call it. And um, they've looked ever since he did that. I think it was like game five or six last season. They've just looked a great unit, you know. So. I think it's a combination of the manager has, has been willing to adapt. The fans have been really up for it, generating a better atmosphere. They've had difficult times and really enjoying it now. And also recruitment. They've got recruitment right. I think they've brought in a few older heads, um, which have made a difference. But also combine that with some some younger players and, crucially, also a lot of physically tough players. You know, some really big big lads who, um, who are hard to, uh, to beat in duels. So I think it's a combination of things why Lillestrøm have have done well, and obviously we'll talk about Valoranga uh, soon. But uh, from the Lillestrøm point of view, I would say that those are the main factors. Yeah, and their most recent result was a two-all draw, wasn't it, Steve? I mean, they uh, they went to Tromso and, and 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 got that draw. It's the first time they haven't won in four games. Uh, Kitalano and Moses B with a late uh, equaliser. If you only Matthew and Dragsness for 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 Lillestrøm. Um, so thanks a lot, Harry Nathan, for your question. By the way, uh, before we move on as well, I just want to give a big shout out to those uh, who have backed us on Patreon this week. We've got a few new Patreons have signed up um, to get the weekend preview shows and also the bonus content profiles, things like that. 
So I just want to give a shout out to those people. We won't name them just for data protection. But if you do want a shout out on the pod, then feel free to DM us or, or leave us a message on Patreon. We'll happily promote or uh, plug you and give you a shout out. So yeah, just, just a quick shout, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast if you do want some extra weekly bonus content. And uh, thanks so much for those people who are supporting us, the new patrons, and also the existing patrons. Really, really, as I say, appreciate all your support. Um, and thank you, Harry, Nathan, for your question as well. Uh, so, yeah, good good times for, for Lillis Ruins moment. And we did talk about them as well on the last free show. So if you wanted to dip back again, Steve, you've done some quite great analysis on them in, in recent times, I, I think. Um, so I think we'll leave it there with them. But we will move on to the, the other part of Harry's question. What is going on uh, with Waller Steve? Oh, yes. I'm, and I think we've got a question from uh, Jürgen Holmholm as well um, about whether they need to keep Fagomo as manager. It just isn't happening for them. They're down in 11th place. They've lost four of their last five games, just got beaten 4-0 by, by Rosenborg. It's a disaster. And I've, ever since we've started doing this podcast, it, it feels like Volerenga just are not doing what they should be doing. Right from, you know, the Ronnie Dyler days, this is a, a fairly, this is a big club in Norwegian terms, but they haven't won a league title for, uh, I think, 2005. It's the last time they won a league. This They should be doing a lot better. They should be challenging for medals, or at least looking like they can challenge for medals. But there were some questions directed at the end of the game against Rosenborg, uh, whether they're going to stay up or not, which that is not what you want to be hearing if you're if you're a Valorenga fans or a manager or anyone associated with the club. Uh, I'm trying to pinpoint exactly what's going wrong with them. Um, and I've got a few theories, but yeah, it's not it's not good right now. Yeah, and I'm just looking at your pre-season um, preview. You know, you had you had your predictions for them, didn't you? Um, struggling to load it now, actually. Yeah. Six, I think. Did I have them six yeah. behind Lillestrøm? Yeah. What what exactly is going on? Because they, they've been on a bit of an up, upward trajectory, haven't they, in recent seasons? Yeah, yeah a little bit. I mean, for Germo, certainly when he come in, um, I think the COVID season he came in and he did a, a solid enough job. The problem with this manager, and he recently said in an interview that if he's allowed to stay on, then he's going to completely reset things and he's going to focus on defence. So next time you see Volarenga, they're going to be looking to grind out an awful, ugly 1-0 win, things like that. Now, whether fans want that, I don't I don't think the fans do want that. I think the fans want entertaining football. And he's been trying to play entertaining football the last two and a half years. But it's not his natural way. He's a naturally more pragmatic coach. I wouldn't call him like an ultra, you know, boring coach or anything like mega defensive, like Sam Allardyce or something. But let's compare, let's compare him to say the Sean Dyche of of Norway, where he he's about getting effective results uh, no matter how how he does it. But I think he's tried to kind of go out of his comfort zone and it hasn't worked for for Germo. And he's not been willing to really adapt his tactics. He's always been a four three three merchant, and nothing's changed there at all. You look at some of these other managers across the league, across the world, I think you just have to adapt in, the, in this day and age, Jonathan. He's not been able to do it. So I think that's been a problem. There's also this sort of flat feeling around the club. I think the fans, uh, they're a bit angry that they're, they're not been able to compete up in the top in the, for the medals that often in the last sort of decade, really. They want more. They think they deserve more. And there's always, as soon as the negative results start coming, then, there's a lot of criticism and stuff like that. And uh, it's like the atmosphere, compared that to Lillestrøm, say, is completely on the other way around. So, yeah, it's a, a circle of, uh, of, uh, of problems and negativity that are conspiring. You know, there's also maybe the, the, the recruitment side of things to look at as well and, and things like that. But, um, 
the manager for me, I feel like his time's up there. I've got to be honest, I think they might need a fresh face. It's not just on him, but I think it's maybe time. So in a word, to answer Jürgen Holham's question, Fulgama should go as your opinion, I, yes? I personally would fire him. I mean, I, I tweeted and, and, something and who out. Would you, who would you... Uh, <clears throat> is there a sort of a sense that he might get sacked and mm. who might be a replacement? I mean, he's been under fire even before the the Stroms got set game, which they, they conceded three goals in five minutes in that match. And then they lost against their local rivals 2-0 away, Lillestrom, which that's, that's bad enough. And then you get beat 4-0 by Rosenborg at home. But I think I looked, I tweeted something out a day or two ago that they actually had a higher XG than Rosenborg in that game. Now, you can't account, the manager cannot account for goalkeeping mistakes, terrible finishing and individual errors. You know, that isn't really on the manager, is it? So it's not just about that. The players have got to take some responsibility as well. But I just wonder if their heads are fully focused at the moment. And I think they need someone new in. And I mean, at the end of the day, Fogomo is a strong disciplinarian, organised, and he often is a good motivator. So what type of manager do they need? You know, you would some would say, oh, they need a real shake-up here and they need someone strong in who's going to rein them in. Well, that's what Fogomo is. So... I'm struggling to kind of think what sort of manager is best for Volarenga now. I, I'm kind of lost a bit, really, because I think the, um, the type of manager you feel they need, they've, they've kind of got. Yeah, in the first goal, I mean, you can't legislate for that. It's an absolute howl. It's a long-range mm. effort that kind of uh, centre the goal and keeper kind of flaps at it, doesn't he? Um, good to see Stefano Vecchio on the score sheet for Rosenborg as well. 4-0 win for them. Um, it's a bit strange, isn't it? Because you look at the, the, the Volarenga team, you've got the likes of Sarawi. Odin Tiago Homer, we talked about. Donham, who's come back. Kiartensen. There's a lot of players there that you'd expect to do quite well. But it's not working out for Wallerenga. So thanks so much for your question there, Jürgen Hornholm, and also to the others who asked questions on that. Uh, let's move on, Steve, to your next point, which is Christiansen's postponement. Yeah, and I'm, just, I'm still trying to rack my brains, Jonathan, about the type of match that Wallerenga need. Maybe they need like someone modern and young, you know? It's it's a really difficult one for them there. And they're kind of stuck, you know. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to really think about that, maybe talk about it in a future pod. But, yeah, Christiansen, I think they've had a bit of luck, actually, um, or bad luck and good luck in, in both respects. They've still only got one point in the table, but both matches got postponed from them last week. They've had, they had five or six injuries anyway who were unable to play. But then a massive virus has spread through the whole squad and staff. Um, I read that at least 12 people were affected. Uh, prior to the midweek round against, uh, who was the midweek round against? Tromso, I think it was. And so that naturally got postponed. Um, they were then set to play Sanderfjord. Um, and they obviously not enough play people had recovered for that. So kind of very unusual circumstances uh, that this uh, virus spread through the whole squad. I actually think they'd have lost both games anyway, though, because the, they have not been playing well. Uh, they've got these injuries in defence, like I said. And the thing is, those matches are winnable. Tromso at home is a winnable match. Sanderfield away is a chance to get three points. So that those are now going to get rescheduled. I'm not sure exactly when, but it will be in the summer at some stage. But it, it will probably come at a time when they're going to have players back from injury. So I think they've had a bit of a break this week, Christiansen. But at the same time, you know, if you'd said to them on the 31st of May that they've got one point in the table, they would not have been happy um, if you told them that pre-season. Yeah, really tough season for Christiansen. We did talk about them in the last episode as well. We had a bit of an, a debrief on their their woes, um, which he went into quite well, and the Owls. Um, 
we've had the question from Team Overs, what's more likely, Buda Glimt or Malmo winning their league? Your answer was maybe Malmo. I'm not quite sure if I had to go along with that. I think it's a great question, by the way. Um, but let's move on to a sort of slightly different questions uh, that have been asked us uh, that are a bit more general. And You've got one, Steve, after 10 matches, who do you tip to go down in Elita Serian? And that's from Sound and Navia, S- at SNDRNVIA on Twitter, mm-hmm. based in Norway. Looks like maybe a Seattle Sounders fan, maybe. But uh, what's your thoughts on that question there, Steve? Who do you tip to go down at present? Yeah, um, nice question. Thanks very much for that. See, I always quite like Seattle Sounders, actually, uh, in MLS. Nice, a big stadium up there they've got. But um, three teams to go down. I think Yerv go down. I, I said that at the start of the season, and I actually praised him on the last episode. But I think it was a bit, I kind of cursed him a bit because they now look a bit out of the depth, Jonathan. I think the matches have kind of caught up with them a bit. They are the worst team statistically at both ends of the field. And uh, ultimately, they just haven't got the quality. And I don't want to criticise them at all. That because I think seven points for them is really good outcome, actually, after nine games. And, you know, if they kind of use this break to reset, maybe they can come back firing again. But I think they're a team that just look out of the depth here. Christian Sun, at the moment, you've got to say they go down. They've got a lot of games in hand. But, I mean, Burnley had about 10 games in hand, didn't they? in the Premier League this season, and they ended up going down as well. So it's not always the best thing to have these matches in hand, run out points on the board. So at the moment, those two are the most likely. And um, I always say the team that finishes in the 14th has got a, a good chance of staying up because um, the golfing class between Elite Serian and Obos usually is enough. Wasn't the case last season. Not sure about this year because I think Obos looks quite a good level. There's some good teams in that top four or five there now. So... I would say probably at the moment, Sandefjord or Ham Camp for the 14th spot are the most likely. Hargusten, I think there was a question about them soon, but they look like they might be uh, on, on more of an upward trend. But um, yeah, probably, yeah, I'd stick Sandefjord as me, my third team, but uh, could be Ham Camp, could be, could be Hargusten. Yeah, and we do have a question on Hargusten, who are 14th at this moment in time after 10 games they've played. So they've got game, other teams around them have got games in hand, haven't they? Ham Camp. Sandefjord, Jörv and Christensen all got games in hand on Haugesson. Question from at Reed Tromso. He was happy with the uh, Derby win in the last game. We even named the episode after it. Uh, the Derby results, sorry, not win. But um, he asks, do you think that Badu and Dor can keep Haugesson up? And he says, will they be able to hold on to him? He's been amazing for them so far this season. Yeah, I think fair play to Haugesson for turning around at the shocking start they had. They lost the first five fixtures and they looked horrible in most of those as well. But since then, they've, they've rebounded really well. Just one defeat and that was to Buda Glimt at home. They should have won the last two, actually, Jonathan. 3-1 up at Rosenborg and only drew. And 2-1 up against Arlesen with five minutes to go and only managed to draw as well. But it's better than what they were doing. And, and Dawes had a big part to play here. Their defence doesn't look very good this season at all. So they, they need their, their their attacking players to help them out, and Andorra is doing that. Could he keep? I think he could just about keep them up. Um, I, I do like how they responded. They, they seem to be up for it, up for the fight, and um, they may well escape a danger this season if they keep up this uh, run of form that done the last uh, last month. Yeah, and I don't know if you uh, want to give a bit of a breakdown on the Ali Yuan Bador Andorra. He's um. He's got he's got ten games, five goals, four assists this season. That's an incredible ratio. Looks to be a left left sided player, is it left winger? 
Yeah, he. I think he might have missed the first game or two uh, off the top of my head. Just checking on my uh, spreadsheet now. Uh, no, he didn't actually. But um, yeah, he's a physical player. He'll get involved. He's not shy of getting stuck in, and I, I like that about him. And his finishing is—I wouldn't call him the most composed finisher in the world—but he will—he will hit the ball hard, and um, you know he won't leave anything out there on the field. That sort of player, and uh, it's kind of what they need, really. They, they play on uh, grass pitch at home. It's not always about the technical skills on, on that surface. It's about physical getting stuck in and, um, you know, he's got a driving determination. You're right that part of the question was, can they keep him? And he's the sort of player that maybe well looked at, to be honest, in the summer window. So, yeah, that could be difficult for Hargison to keep him. All right. Well, thanks so much, Atri Tromza, for for your question as well. We've nearly wrapped up for part one of Norway, but Steve, I'm going to ask you a couple of general questions Mm. um, that we've had. First one's from at Francis Wade, Francisco Martins, who's in, based in Portugal. He says, what new talents do you identify as emerging in the secondary divisions of Norway and Sweden that have the potential to cross into bigger clubs? As a scout, I am shocked that in my country, Portugal, the Nordic markets aren't considered. South America is always a priority over here. That could potentially be related to George Mendes, maybe, Jorge Mendes, who knows, um, and the influence there. But Steve, what are your thoughts? I mean, you don't need to go reel off too many names. Um, Francisco, my advice probably maybe patreon.com slash Nordic football podcast. We've got our 10 to watches on there. All Svenskan tend to watch and Elite Serian tend to watch. Obviously, players in the top divisions, but you might see one or two gems as a scout you might like. Um, but in general, Steve, have you got maybe one or two names from the Norway second division that maybe have caught your eye or that you've heard of? Yeah, I'm actually following Obos a bit more this season, Jonathan. And there's one name that everyone's talking about, and it's Jonathan Brout Brune, who's a on loan. At start from Lillestrøm, he's incredibly scored 11 goals already this season. Um, and he did that in his first seven appearances. He hasn't actually scored in his last two. But uh, uh, some uh, hit rate that for, um, for for a guy on loan from... So that's the name, Jonathan Brown Bruins. And, um, you know, there's, there's there's always some some talent down uh, here in, in, in the Obos again. It's often some loans as well. Um, but that is probably the, the one name that, that stands out to me. Like I said, I'm still uh, learning a bit about Obos, uh, but I'm, I'm trying to get more stuck into that division because it does look a lot of a better standard this season than it ever has done. And and that does interest me, you know? Yeah, great stuff. And I, I would suggest in, in the Swedish second division, um, it's a tough one, actually. It's a good question. Um, the Nordic market, I mean, Portugal doesn't really tend to sort of sign many players from the Nordic League, as, as he's alluded to, I'd be interested that, you know, someone like Williams Wedberg, who we're going to talk about in part two, he potentially would suit, I think, like a, a Braga or maybe even like a Porto or someone like that. You don't often get it. It's often Belgium or maybe um, someone like that is more the destination, Turkey. Um, but in terms of players, maybe in the second division, I mean, obviously you've got Brother Poikina who are back now in Super Etten. They've always got an incredible academy uh, and are really kind of um, impressive I think the one player that maybe is, is kind of catching the eye quite a bit this season is probably Jack Cooper Love uh, at Skovda IF, uh, AIK. Sorry, he's got uh, six goals. Um, he's also the top uh, player in the league for sort of expected goals and expected assists combined. Um, he's having a great season, but I think he's already owned by Elfsborg, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying. So he's not one that's sort of, um, you know, a pure second division talent. But in terms of the loan spell he's having, he's um, he's he's doing quite well. And uh, I'm pretty. I'm not sure. I think he might have an English background as well, Jack Cooper Love. So um, 
he's one to look out for, a 20-year-old striker. And he's on loan from Elsborg in the second tier. So, yeah, maybe one for you there, Francisco, to look at. Thank you very much for that question. Uh, Steve, should we wrap it up for part one? There's just one more I want to talk about. It was from Norlink86. Uh, Ex-Everton goalie uh, Thomas Mirren making quite an impact. His first head coach position at Moss F Core, eight out of eight to start the season with. Um, one thing I'll say there, it's the Sean Constable impact. <laughs> he did the same with Brummer Poikin, didn't he? Had, the, had a season there, set them up from uh, a problematic uh, position they're in, and the season after they got promoted, maybe he's done the same at Moss. They fire him, and now Myra's there picking up the pieces. So um, good good to him, but John Constable, he's the doctor that can bring him in, he'll sort of mess out, and eventually you'll come right. That's what I've got to say there. There you go. Well done to Thomas Myra and well done to Sean Constable. Obviously, good times for Moss. Things are seeming to improve. And uh, thanks very much for your question there. I don't believe I don't believe he follows us. So I don't know how he's even seen it, but fair play to him at Norlink86, who is a Moss fan indeed. So um, that will wrap it up for part one. In part two, we'll head over to Sweden. We'll look at the latest in Sweden. We will also continue with the listener questions. I think we've made it through about half of them so far. Uh, but thanks so much for everyone who, who, who's tweeted us at Nordic Footpod. Don't forget, every week you can do that. And if you're on Patreon as well, you can always leave your questions on the um, in the comments on the on the on the weekly shows as well. We'd love to hear what you you think of our predictions. Um, so we will be back after this short break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with Jonathan Fadugba. Swedish section now uh, on the cards for us and uh, only really one place to start because some silverware has been dished out in the past week. The Swedish Cup final was between Malmo and Hammerby. Jonathan, you're here to tell us all about it. Yeah, Malmo are the Swedish Cup uh, winners. That game took place mid, uh, last midweek. Uh, I think it was last Thursday. It's a bit strange how the cup is done. You know, they, they tend to be played on a, on a, in the middle of the week. Uh, it's a really good turnout, in fairness. <clears throat> good, uh, good crowd at the Tele2 Arena. Both sets of fans loud. Um, <clears throat> a lot of controversy. We've had, I mean, we're seeing this across the board, aren't we, in Europe at the moment, these sort of pitch invasions when um, when teams win games. There was a sort of ugly scenes, to be fair, at the end of the, um, you know, the end of the match, there was some pretty ugly scenes. I have to say the game was paused and, uh, you know, fans run into the pitch and that kind of thing, and their flares were thrown. I think into the into the uh, Helsing, into the Hammerby fans section, stuff like that, Malmo fans section. So it was a bit, it got ugly. Um, but in general, it was um, it was Malmo. You can never write them off. Uh, penalty shootout. It was a nil nil draw, of course, and went to penalties. Ishmael Diawara, the, the hero, the penalty king. Uh, he made some key penalty saves, and uh, <clears throat> Astrid Selmani. With, with an absolutely dreadful last penalty. Um, kind of game where Hammerby, I was surprised actually, Steve, that Hammerby were big favourites for this match in terms of the, the, the odds. Uh, I think Hammer, I think Malmo could be had for about 3.9 odds, which I, th- I found ridiculous. Um, I thought there was huge value in Malmo, but unfortunately, I think if you were looking for the value, maybe it would have been for them to win the cup rather than to win the match. Uh, Malmo aren't necessarily in great shape at the moment. They had a couple more injuries even in this game. Oscar Levicki went off injured and just generally kind of, you know, didn't, they weren't, they weren't convincing. 
But at the end of the day, you've got you've got to put the ball in the back of the net. And I always say these big teams, they've got that experience. Even if it was in someone like Malmo in a one-off game, you, you can't really rule them out. And ultimately, although it was a penalty shootout, uh, they have got the job done and they have lifted that Swedish Cup. Yeah, I think both finals, uh, Swedish Cup and Danish Cup, were on at the same time. And both ended nil-nil, didn't they, Jonathan? I think. Uh, both were decided on penalties. I was looking at the stats for the Swedish Cup final, though. I didn't see it, but it was about 70 minutes and there was hardly a shot at either end. It, it The statistics showed a very tight game of football. As you can sometimes get that in Cup finals, can't you? But, I mean, Malmö were missing about half their team, weren't they? Or were set to. I don't know whether many uh, actually came back from fitness for that game. But um, you always said on this uh, podcast, never write off Malmo, and that match kind of proves why, doesn't it? They, in, in the really big moments, I guess the squad just find a way to do it. Yeah, I mean, you got to bear in mind as well before the game, you've got Milos Milojevic, uh, three straight defeats for Malmo, which is unthinkable for the club. Probably if they lost this game, you know, you could argue might have even been a potential candidate to be sacked because, um, you know, that's how desperate it was getting. Uh but, you know, against his former club as well, don't forget, there were boos for him whenever his face appeared on the screen and that kind of thing. Um, but eventually he's, he's, he's won his first title with the club. You know, he can, he can even if he left tomorrow, he can say he's won a trophy at Malmo. So fair play to him from that point of view. You know, there was all the controversy in, in, in the summer, obviously being um, terminated by Hammerby after meeting with Rosenborg uh, and, and all that sort of so that saga that dragged on. Um, and it was a bit, you know, ironic that he's playing against that team in the cup final in their stadium, of course. They weren't great. Again, I've said it, you know, this season. I'm not. I'm not convinced by Malmo. I think uh, it's not a surprise to me that they kind of a lot of talk at the moment about them needing sort of two or three players in in, in the summer window um, because they do look a bit short. Um, had a couple of efforts, you know, but but you know, Berman Savic had one decent effort. Kisa Tellin looked a bit un, you know, out of sorts. He's maybe not quite match fit, uh, and they weren't really that impressive. I, I think Hammerby just couldn't couldn't get the the job done. And at the end of the day, if you can't get the job done, you leave yourself open for, for penalty shootouts. Diawara described himself as a penalty specialist, said it's one of the best days of his career. Of course, don't forget, he was at Degafors about this time last year um, and has now played sort of Champions League football and won a cup in a, in a, in a big final. So, you know, he's, he's had a real uh, upturn of events, the big uh, the big goalkeeper. Um, so, yeah, all in all, I think, you know, that it wasn't great scenes at the end of it, of course, with the what happened with the um, chairs being thrown and, things being thrown and, and, and the pitch invasion, that kind of thing. It wasn't nice. But, I mean, the big thing with Astrid Salmani, I mean, that the penalty, Steve, is just dreadful, I have to say. Uh, one of the worst penalties I think I've seen in some time from someone who's supposed to be a top striker for this level. He's having a nightmare season, really. I know he got his first goal, but uh, he is not having a good season at all. And this just capped off the kind of egg on his face in what's been a pretty scrambled, eggy season for him. Yeah, so, well, congratulations uh, to uh, Malmo then. Um, and uh, what impact does that have for the European positions, Jonathan? You might not actually know the answer to that. It just came into my mind now as a question. But um, who will now qualify for Conference League and stuff? Well, I don't know. You're going to have to look that up yourself, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> you can't ask me that after you didn't want to answer the question about Lillis. What the hell that? No, actually, actually, to be fair, I do have the answer for you. Oh. Elsborg will now be in the Conference League. Fantastic news. There you go. Deserved, fully deserved as well. They had a really <laughs> good season last year. Yeah. Malmo already in the Champions League, of course. 
Um, and Hammerby uh, lost, of course. So AIK and Eurogarden, I think, are also in the Conference League and will be joined by Elspeth. Very, very good indeed. So um, now we've had a managerial sacking. First one, I think, in Alsvenskan or Elite Serien this season off the top of my head. I feel like I might be missing some, but yeah, Helsingborg have sacked their manager. New, it looked initially like they might get a sort of a new manager syndrome because I saw they were one up against I Court half time, but eventually lost. Um, but what's the what's been going on at Helsingborg and what has prompted this managerial change? Yeah, well, we did say that kind of there was you know a lot of rumours about um, about him leaving potentially. I'm uh, sorry about the about Jorgen Lindsen sort of losing his job. And eventually, that, that's kind of that's what's happened. Uh, essentially, he, he's been sacked. Not been a good season for for Helsingborg. Even you know, if you look at the underlying data, kind of for expected goals and expected goals against, they're kind of struggling. Haven't really uh, impressed. And um, so, yeah, he's off. He, he, he's um, he's been he's been let, let go. Former AFK Jotunborg manager, of course, back in his day. I think it's a bit harsh in the sense that obviously him getting them promoted. It's still quite early in, in the season, really, but. Helsingborg are quite a big club and they've got quite a nasty element in their fan base in terms of like they're not patient really. They, they're the kind of club that they do have that tendency to have fan unrest and ang- angry fans. You know, if you look at it, one win in 11 games, Steve, obviously 18 goals conceded in 11 matches, not really scoring goals either, not just nine goals scored, five points. They're not in huge trouble, you know, but they are kind of, if you look at where Varberg boys are in 13th, you know, they're, they're six points off that with a game more played. So, it didn't look, they are trending as if they are going to probably be in the bottom three this season. So it probably was, you know, something that they, they needed to do. Um, you know, if they want to look to the long term and, and trying to stay up, they aren't traditionally the kind of club that you would sort of uh, say should be in Super Essen, really. So I guess you can kind of, you can kind of understand it is, is I suppose, what I'm trying to say. Uh, the new managers come in. Uh, it's been announced actually just kind of recently in the last hour or two. Um, Alvaro Santos and Matthias Lindstrom have been announced as the head coaches. Um, Helsingborg has full confidence in them, they've announced. So there will be no head coach uh, recruited. Um, these are internal appointments. So um, they, they they will get the job on a permanent basis. Um, they had the responsibility in the game against AIK. Obviously, they've been there for a week. And the discussions have sort of gone quite well. And it's decided that they will be given the chance to sort of try and get uh, HIF out of this trouble that they're in. I never really was impressed with Lennart and at um, Lillestrom either, to be honest. Just a manager I don't personally rate that highly. An interesting uh, an interesting bit there, Steve, just to interrupt you, sorry. Uh, in the announcement from Helsingborg, they said that instead of uh, hiring new managers, they're going to announce that they are going to bring in a sports psychologist. So um, that's the only appointment they will make on this. So Alvaro and Matia have been in the uh, under-21 teams and that, that kind of thing. They've been at the club for quite a while. Um, and Andreas Grenqvist said, who's a sporting director, said that he has strong belief that they are the coaches and that the development of the, t- the team in the last few years at, at, at youth level gives them confidence that they can lead the first team. So, um, yeah, interesting there about sports psychology and maybe very interesting. maybe help the current squad at first team level. I, I think that is, to be honest, not to be laughed at these days. There's, these top clubs are hiring these guys out now. I mean, Liverpool have got about 10 of them, haven't they? Uh, you know, got got a penalty psychological coach, everything like that. But they can make a difference. I mean, does it suggest to you that perhaps it's more of a, I don't know, a mental sort of issue that they've got there at 
at uh, Helsingborg rather than uh, a squad issue. Maybe he could be. I mean, who knows? But I don't. That could be a good move, you know. It, it genuinely could be. It might work out for them, in my opinion. It's definitely forward thinking, isn't it? And um, I mean, I agree with you. I think sports psychology plays a huge part in modern football with things like social media prevalent. You know, there are different challenges now for the, for the modern player to deal with, um, which a lot of the time are in the mind as well as the body. Uh, Helsingborg, I mean, you asked me that question. I think in general, Helsingborg are, they are a big club, you know, and um, they are the sort of club, as I've said before, that that kind of, if things don't go well, they are a bit not, as I've said, they've got a bit of an element to them. You know, their fans are kind of like, they are, even in recent games, they've, they've been kind of like getting on the players' backs and, and there's been like protests and things like that. Um, they are known to kind of have little fights and things like that outside the stadium. They're not, you know, they are they are a bit of a moody fan base, I'd say. Um in the most positive way, if that makes sense, you know, not, not, I'm not criticizing them, but I'm just saying they do have that element where it's not like a small, nothing club where no, nothing ever happens and you can kind of get away with it and you're expected to sort of be in super red. And this is a team that has bigger ambitions. So from that point of view, maybe psychology does play a part in it. Um, they were a bit unlucky. They were furious about a penalty um, that ARK got in that, in that game, the two, one defeat that they had Jordan Larson, obviously against his former club, um, the player that, I remember when Helsingborg got relegated all those years ago, they ran on the pitch and the fans tried to tear Jordan Larson's shirt off his back when he was a Helsingborg player. So I'm sure he might have enjoyed that goal um, against this former team. And that just gives you an example of the kind of uh, atmosphere that can ha- they can have at Helsingborg, ripping a shirt off one of their own players' backs. I'll, ne- I'll never forget that incident. Um, and and Andreas, Anders Lindegaard also has come out and said that he thinks that it's, uh, the players are happy with the choice of man- the new managers. Um, so obviously he's a goalkeeper. He used to play for Manchester United. Uh, veteran keeper so I guess all in all let's see how they can get on and, and, and good luck to them I mean um, you, you funnily enough you say it Stephen uh, Anders Lindegaard does agree with you he said everyone is talking about Klopp and Guardiola and I think football has changed a lot in five to ten years we have a facing a revolution among coaches and these two are a more progressive choice uh, they are young they each have an area of expertise one on the offensive and the other on the defensive side of the game so yeah, I mean, Lennartson, he's a coach that I quite like him, actually. I've met him in the past when I was in Gothenburg, and he's a quite a nice, he seemed like a nice guy. Anyway, I don't, can't say I know him that well. Um, but, you know, he's seemed quite cordial to me. Um, but, yeah, he, he hasn't really inspired them, I'd say, this season so far. So maybe this modern style of coach could, could work. I remember, Jonathan, uh, when me and you used to work together for a football company in London, nearly 10, 10 years ago now, actually. Might have been the 11. Um, I actually uh, did a favour one day for someone and I covered a Swedish game and it was the Helsingborg actually won the title that season. Pretty sure they, they did anyway. And this is a club that's got a big history um, and I can see why the fans get frustrated. I, I might be wrong here, but I feel like their fan base might be similar to sort of like a, a Newcastle or a Sunderland or a Forest or even a Leeds when things weren't going so well. Um you know, they, they kind of expect more and demand more. And, and that is hard on the players, isn't it? Like, if they lose again, they're going to look at social media. It's like, oh, you're shit, you're terrible, things like that. So that's going to be... Uh, the, the psychological coach could be uh, very advantageous there to help the players out, I think. Definitely, yeah. And um, one other little just tidbit of information, I mean, moving on from Helsingborg, just on the just on that cup final uh, that might interest you, and we will talk about this in a sec as well, but uh, Manchester City actually had scouts at that cup final to watch Williot Swedberg. So that is a bit of an interesting tidbit of information as the heat, 
as the the race heats up for his signature. <sighs> I mean, is he gonna? Is he leaving this summer? Is, it, is there a way that Hammerby can keep him until October? Do you think? No, I think he. I think he'll leave this summer. I mean, uh, Locomotive Moscow are probably not very happy about uh, everything that's transpired because they they would have had a hell of a player on their hands to to resell. I guess the world there's bigger issues going on in the world at this moment in time in that part of the world for sure. But um, the deal was pretty much wrapped up for him, and the only thing that stopped it was obviously the uh, the whole situation with with Ukraine. The way things have developed now, I mean, Barcelona have been watching him, Manchester City have been watching him. The, the most recent rumours and reports from um, from Expressen, uh, a sort of leading Swedish newspaper, um, is that Celta Vigo and Club Bruges are intensively negotiating with Hammerby for his signature. Their sporting director, Jesper Janssen, has said that we have concrete offers now uh, for him on the table. Um, both of those clubs are aggressively sort of chasing him. Um, he said, we continue the dialogue. We'll see how we go. We wanted to wait until after the cup final and the spring season is over and we are in no need of selling. But it is also about the player's interest. But we must stress we are not in need of selling. So I think we are probably watching his last three or four games for um, for Hammerby uh, and possibly in Sweden as well, unless there's a loan option. But um He's done that well this season, Steve. That uh, doesn't surprise me that the likes of Man City are just having a little, little look at him in the cup final. I'll just stay with Swedberg here because this move for someone of his age, his age now, where what sort of football level should he be playing? Forget what club he goes to. He could easily go somewhere and they loan him out. But what standard of football does he need to be playing right now to improve his development? Do you think? Well, I think Francisco Martins, who asked us a question on Twitter, I think he's um, he's got a good point about Portugal. I think Swedberg's kind of got that technical profile where I think he'd be very good at a club like sort of Sporting Lisbon, maybe, or um, kind of, uh, I'm trying to think, like maybe not Porto, they play a slightly different style, but maybe Sporting Lisbon or um, a Braga, like I said, someone like that, maybe. You know, I think he's got that technical ability. Uh, I could actually see him ending up in someone like Spain. Um, Netherlands as well, I think would be a good move. For I don't, I don't, Physically, you know, I think he's, um, you know, he's a tall lad. He looks quite fit and athletic, but I, I, I'm not sure if Belgium is the most natural progression for him. I think he could maybe move to, to the, say, the Netherlands. Uh, if you look at someone like Jesper Carlsen, who's who's done so well at AZ Alkmaar, I could see him kind of being the similar, someone like that, you know, Patrick Wallemark at Feyenoord. I'd kind of like to see Swedberg at somewhere like Ajax, maybe, or, um, or PSV, someone like that. I think he's got the ability to play at that level. Celta Vigo would be a big jump up, you know what I mean? I think, you know, that that level is quite high. Would he get in the team? I'm not entirely sure. I don't know the ins and outs of the club, but um, Bruges, I'm, I'm sure he'd get in that team and I think he'd do quite well in Belgium. But uh, I think he's a, over the level to go to sort of a Portugal and Netherlands, um, that kind of, even even maybe sort of lower tier Bundesliga, you know, maybe being around the squad of a sort of a Bundesliga team like Stuttgart, something like that. I think he's very, very good. It's not a surprise to me that Manchester City watching him. He, he is... Um, he has got that profile at 18 years of age where there's a lot of room for development there. And the basic groundings of his technical profile are really, really good. He scored a lot of goals this season. He's shown he can score different types of goals. He can get poachers goals. He can score spectacular goals. He can play off both feet. So I really do think that he is, you know, sometimes we um, don't we get it, Steve. We get players who are kind of flashing the pan or you want them to stay a bit longer to prove themselves. I'll be honest, I think Swedberg has shown already in this short time that he is probably too good for Osvenskan really and, and will go on to that next level. Yeah, I think that would sound great if he went somewhere like Portugal. I'd hate to see him go somewhere like Man City because you know they're only thinking of one thing, that's profit. He'd probably go there and probably never make an appearance for them. They'd loan him out for about four seasons and sell him. 
that's what that's their sort of thing. Chelsea did that with a lot of players, didn't they as well? But um, obviously, it's not a surprise they're there because they see him as someone with great potential, don't they? So, uh, and there's another player actually. Before we move on, uh, there's another player at Hammerby who's got less fanfare, but is also equally coveted. Uh, Mikel Lardo. Uh, he's a 19-year-old. Mikel Lardo, 19, and uh, the big reports in uh, Swedish media at the moment is that Gröningen and Herrenveen are in for him. Um, he's not played as much this season in the league for for Hammerby, but he has started to come into the team more recently. Um, started some games, but uh, yeah, he's also a talented player, and um, it looks like he will be leaving as well. And obviously, he's looking like he'll go to the Netherlands. So uh, I don't see why uh, Swedberg couldn't follow him. Well, good luck, whatever happens to Swedberg, a fine talent. And uh, we now move to back to our Svenskan, uh, the table itself, and. Hacking it off, and shouldn't they? This is this what they should have been doing last season, Jonathan. I remember everyone was predicting them, was it second last year, in, including yourself? And um, it feels like it's 12 months too late. They're going really well, 23 points on the board, and they've had a, played a game less than IE Core. So, uh, I mean, Hacking, what is the secret to their success so far this season? Uh, I think number one, Jeremy F has found his form. I think last season he underperformed. I mean, we talked about Hammerby just now. They lost to Varnamo, by the way, at the weekend after the Swedish Cup. They had a bit of a hangover, uh, 1-0 defeat. Uh, they've got a decent striker who's performing quite well, Antonsson. And and I think Yeremiev, obviously, top scorer in the league this season. And he's doing similarly well. I think he's really hit his shooting boots. I said it last year, Steve, in the season preview podcast. I remember it. I remember saying that him coming back from from Germany, Yeremiev, he had a bit of a, a mixed spell in Germany. I think it was at Dresden, and 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 I, I thought he'd come back and the maturity would see him be really, really good. Didn't quite work out in that way, but I guess it's he's, he's jumped a year, you know, and this year he's really come back and he's really firing on all, all cylinders. I think he's got 10 goals um, already, which is incredible. And, um, he, you know, expected goals and assists total 7.86, so he's even getting, you know, he's even weighing in with a few um, a few assists. I think Mikhail Rygaard has been a great signing, the Danish um, Danish midfielder. I think he's done really well. I think Oscar Udenas is a great young talent. I really like the look of him. Uh, I mentioned him in the season preview. So I think they've, they've strengthened well. They've recruited well, actually. But I think the key thing is Yermiev is, is, is banging those goals that maybe last season he, he got. He had a bit of an injury problem last season. Uh, and this season he sort of seems to be fit and firing. So I think he is really the key. Yeah, 22 total goals for Hecken this season, uh, the most out of any team in the league. They don't do that many clean sheets, do they? But I looked at the highlights of this game against uh, Sirius in the, the weekend preview show. I actually suggested they would be one of the best bets of the round, Hecken. And they only just won. It was a freak uh, late uh, 95th minute winner. They just conceded. And then they, they beat uh, Sirius uh, four goals to three. So um, moments like that, you just look back on, you think maybe that's a key moment. And... Um, I guess the big question is, do you think they can stay in title contention or will they, do you expect them to sort of uh, drop down a bit? Well, it's a crazy end to the game, by the way. Uh, 90, 96th minute goal from uh, Hovland after a 94th minute equaliser from Kuaku after an 85th minute, what seemed like a winner from Rygaard. I mean, uh, crazy, you know, four goals in the last 15 minutes in that game there was, by the way. Uh, and one other little point as well, they're strengthening their squad quite well. Hacken. Blair Turgut came on and got an assist. Um, he's obviously come from Ostersunds. Bit of a weird situation with him. He didn't get a club. There was talks he was going to go to Saudi Arabia. Then there was talks he was going to go to, I think, Netherlands. Ended up with no club. And now he's turned up at sort of Hacken on a free transfer. But that's a great addition to their squad. 
bearing in mind the injuries they've got, of course, um, Benny Traore being out for the season. Um, but yeah, they've, they've, I think they've improved their squad really well. Last season, maybe they were a bit lightweight. This season, I think they've gone for a little bit more experience. As I mentioned, the likes of Hovland, you know, born in 89, he got the winner. Uh, he's an experienced player. Rygaard is, you know, um, in his 30s. He's an experienced player. Um, obviously, you've got the youth of Udenas still there and, and the likes of Bergen, um, Bengtsson. Um, but they've just strengthened a little bit in terms of that that spine of the team. It's just slightly stronger now, I think, with the likes of Rygaard, as I say, in Hovland. So um, Thomas Totland as well as a player. I think you quite liked him, didn't you? And those sort of players are just sort of strengthening that whole squad. So fair, fair play to them. How can, I don't think they'll win a the title. But they're definitely giving a much better go of it last season when everyone expected them to win the title. Of course, don't forget they won this game, Steve, with uh, ten men because uh, the goalkeeper Abrahamson was sent off in the 55th minute. So they're showing a lot of resilience as well. How hacking! So fair play to them, and they are top of our Svenska. Yeah, I did certainly like uh, Tottenham at the Tromso. There, that looked like a, a good signing. And uh, the city of Gothenburg, 35 league titles have been won by clubs from this city down the years. But do you know the last time? A team from that city won the league, Jonathan. What year? A city from where? Gothenburg. League title, our Svenskan title. It was EF Core. And it was 2015? in 2007. I was going to say 2007, actually. So imagine if it was Hecken. Hecken have never won it, of course. Uh, so imagine if they were the uh, the team that broke that uh, that duck as such for. Uh... But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, doing really well and playing good. I like they're watching their games, they're exciting. You know, that you're not going to get many nil-nils with Hecken, even last season as well, when they were not so good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I like their the style of football for sure. So, uh, just looking also uh, in, in terms of um, the league. So, when we talked about Malmo there in the uh, in the cup, but in the league, it has been a struggle for them. They got, did get a win against uh, Degaforge the weekend, but previously they'd lost three in a row. They, they definitely sort of team are going to enjoy this three-week, three or four-week break, aren't they? Yeah, I think they, um, I mean, the next round of games is until uh, June 26th. They are going to need a lot of uh, rest, I think. I think they're going to make some changes. I think the squad will change. And, um, you know, in this, as we head into this long break, uh, what have we got? Three weeks, which I actually, by the way, Steve, I think this is a big mistake from the schedulers. I know it's a little bit to do with the internationals and stuff like that, but the season's just ended. And what you really want now is kind of the summer leagues to kick in. I think you get most of, you get maximum attention now for this next month. So I think this is a big mistake from schedulers. And if I was working for the Swedish, you know, federation or, or working for the I'd suggest that they try and get as many games in in June as possible because this is the period of time. Surely it's the summer. There's no other leagues on. You get maximum visibility for your league. Anyway, um, Malmo are fifth as we go into this break, and they've also played a game more than Aken, and they're five points behind them. So. Uh, not having a great time of it. There is a little bit of rumours of unrest behind the scenes. Uh, there's talks about the transfer window that apparently Milojevic, who it does seem, I did mention in pre-season show, that he has tended to fall out with clubs. Um, he's got a bit of a history of falling out with his clubs, as as is the case with Hammerby when he left. Um, it does seem that there's a little bit of unrest. There's, there's rumours um, they don't agree on the transfers that he wants, uh, the board and, and the manager. Um, one rumour that came out was about Isaac Janssen at Kalmar. He's apparently a target for Malmo. Um, but the other suggestions are sort of suggesting, this is just media reports, I don't know if it's, don't know if it's true at all, um, but media reports sort of su- suggest that um, the recruitment strategy isn't shared by everybody. So that remains to be seen what will happen. Um, there's links as well with Saidi from Degafors uh, that is meant to be 
rumored to go to Malmo as well in this in this window. So the sort of transfer window is starting to heat up now. You know that that the, the sort of rumor mills is starting to to go, and obviously the, the the summer window is open now in the European major European leagues, isn't it? So we will see probably some players leaving the league before the next round of games. Um, but in general, it seems that Malmo, according to a lot of reports, they want to sign a winger, uh, an attacking midfielder, and a defensive midfielder. Um, and also Milojevic wants to get rid of some of his players, and he wants a bigger squad and and then more squad in his own name. So we will learn a lot about whether the board are going to back him and, and how they feel about him and probably by how much they support him in this transfer window coming. Do you do think if they had not won that Swedish Cup final, they would be sacking him this month? I'm not sure if they'd sack him immediately because I think they need to save face as well. I don't think, you know, bear in mind that they did support him and gave him the job. Um, and it would be an admission of guilt on their part as well, because it's their first sort of um, this new structure. It will be their first appointment since obviously um, uh, you know Thomason left. So they've also got a little bit of uh, their own reputation on the line here. But yeah, uh, I think if they'd have lost the cup final, that he would have been under a lot of pressure. Uh, I think that the cups kind of helped him. Um, I don't think he'd been sacked, but bear in mind they just beat Degelfors two 0 as well. I think there would have been a bit of pressure. Toivonen obviously got goals. They've had injuries, so you know it's a bit harsh. It's a bit hard to criticise them too much. Yeah. Um, but I do think that all is not well at Malmo. That's what I'd say. Now I've got a question for you here, and uh, now it's interesting. I just talked about uh, the uh, cities that have won the uh, most Alsvenskan uh, titles down the years, and uh, obviously Gothenburg has uh, thirty-five titles. Stockholm has twenty-five. And Malmo has 22. Norshwing has 14. Uh, Varsen, thank you very much for your support of the podcast, as always. Uh, he asks, out of the teams outside of the three biggest cities in Sweden, who do you think has the biggest shot of battling for the top positions? Now, I know that doesn't actually leave many teams, does it? So, uh, but who would you say, Jonathan, here? A very clever question from Oscar Holt there with, with Kalmar, his team in six. Um, thanks a lot for the question. I mean, I think I'll probably say Elfsborg. <laughs> just to just a just to tease uh, tease Weston there. Um, it doesn't leave many, does it? I mean, you've only got Kalmar, Elfsborg, or Mialbi. Or Norshipping. I mean, do we class Norshipping? Not, would Norshipping be in the They're major in terms of titles, aren't they? So mm. uh, there's only, only it only leaves three teams in the top eight, which is. Like I say, Kalmar, Elfsborg and Mjölby. Of those three, I'd say that Elfsborg are the strongest um, in terms of their overall squad. Um, so my answer would be Elfsborg, probably. I think mm. if you look at the the stats uh, in terms of XG and things like that, Elfsborg, although they're not having the best of seasons, their expected goals third in the league um, and expected goals against, they're one of the better teams. So if you're going to, I mean, the best team statistically in terms of expected goals against, the best in the league. 9.27 XGA. So I have to argue that's according to Scout data, by the way, our partner's Scout. So unfortunately, although I know you want me to answer or give a certain answer, I'd have to say Elfsborg at this moment in time. They're not they're not playing that well. They're not getting the results, Elfsborg. But I think I, I, we'll see if things change in the second half of the season. I think they might have a bit of an uptick. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much for the question anyway, uh, as always. And uh, uh, let's just, before we finish up, uh, look at the uh, bottom of the table there. Helsingborg are on five points. Degerfors on six. Sundsvall six. Barberg and Varnamo on 11 and 12. And you've been impressed with Varnamo recently, Jonathan, haven't you? I mean, we, I think, we, did we talk about him in the last episode or was it one of the bonus ones where we were kind of 
not criticising them, but kind of worrying about the, you know, the golfing class moving up to our Svenskan level. But they've come up, to be fair with them, the last three matches, they've got themselves uh, seven points. And you can't knock beating Hammerby 1-0. I think in XG terms, they, they deserved it as well. It wasn't a fluke. Yeah, it wasn't a fluke. I think the timing was good for them. Obviously playing them, you know, they're just playing on a Thursday. Uh, and then playing them on a Sunday, I think there was a bit of fatigue there for Hammerby. I think, you know, given the game went all the way as well to penalties, I think there was a bit of, um, it was a good time to play them. Varnum have been pretty good this season, actually, at home. They've got a draw against Malmo at home, uh, beat Degafors, obviously. Um, the only game they really struggled against at home was was Hacken. They lost 2-1. So maybe that says something about Hacken as well, by the way. Um, but uh, no, they've, they've done, done really well at uh, Varnum this season. I, I said in pre-season, I thought they'd, they'd go down, straight back down. And I'm going to have to probably rethink that at some point because I've been pretty impressed with them. Uh, likes of Oscar Johansson, I think, is having a really great season. Antonsen's an extremely good buy. Uh, defensively, they look quite sharp. Um, they've had a couple of injuries, but all in all, they look quite good. Had a bit of a blip against Mialbi away where they conceded that late, late goal um, from a defensive mistake. But, you know, all things considered, they, they, they've looked pretty good. And obviously beat, uh, beat Helsingborg 4-1. And um, so, no, I, I like I like what I've seen from Varnum, I have to say, and um, maybe I'm going to have to revisit my predictions on them. Yeah, I was uh, looking at a few games recently. I actually watched a bit of GIF for Sundsvall. Jonathan beat uh, Mialbi 2-0. And uh, they have quite a catchy goal song, don't they? I've never heard it before. Probably because they probably the first time they've scored at home this season, I think. But, um, I mean, it does, it does look like their bottom three at the moment are in a bit of trouble. Uh, with maybe Varberg uh, as well could get sucked into some uh, danger. But Varnamo, fair play to them. Um, I mean, if they were to survive, that would be quite a big thing, wouldn't it, considering the size of the club? If Varnamo survive, I mean, it'd be massive. The fact that yeah. they're even competing with Malmo, I think, is um, probably an indicator that Malmo aren't having the best of seasons. You know, the fact that they uh, get a draw with with, with them, they're, they're their neighbours, well, kind of fairly near neighbours and you know, don't forget our one-time guest, Robin Astahead, went and joined Malmo as chief scout instead of taking the Varnum manager's job. So that, that gives you an insight into how the sort of various jobs are rank, ranked, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? The, the size of the two clubs. Um, I think they've got a great chance to stay up. I know Gibson's fell. I, I, I was surprised in pre-season about their predictions, uh, people saying they would go straight back down. So maybe at the moment it's a bit more kind of in, in tune to form. It's looking maybe like since I will struggle more than, than Varnum. Um and don't forget, Varnum had a great season when they came up. So, you know, maybe I was a little bit harsh. I didn't see how the squad could survive. Um, but but I might, might have to revisit that. Um, my other bottom three, I had Degafors and, and uh, Helsingborg. So those two are looking sort of pretty decent predictions so far. Um, but yeah, let, let, let's obviously see how it goes. All right. Well, some questions and to finish off the uh, podcast. Uh, Stuart Kelly, are the refs in Sweden being deliberately shite or are they just crap? Sounds like the officiating's been a bit questionable up there recently. Yeah, there has been some poor, poor decisions of late. I think Hammerby and a lot of the big teams as well, AIK, Hammerby, Malmo games have seemed to have a bit of dodgy decisions in them. Um, it's a great question, to be fair, because there's been a lot of people calling for VAR in Osvenskan now. And I've got to be honest, Steve, I, I think that would be a nightmare for me. Mm, uh, one, thing, one reason I like this league is because you can kind of get away from the, the, the nightmares of VAR. Uh, don't know if anyone saw the Huddersfield Nottingham Forest game, but I don't, you know, VAR doesn't exactly solve it, anything. It doesn't, does it? Like, for me, it doesn't. And I, it's been the same in Norway, by the way. There's been calls for VAR there as well. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 
anyone who saw that Huddersfield game, Nottingham Forest, it was, it was a scandalous decisions. Um, I think eventually VAR will come to Scandinavia. That's the bottom line because, you know, that the technology is there, isn't it? And every time there's a bad decision, there's going to be people calling for for the technology to be introduced. I wouldn't be against it maybe for offsides. I think there's been some poor offsides actually in the season that, that uh, I think, um, if I remember rightly, ARK got really bad um, uh, offside decision against them in the uh, Stockholm derby. Um, but it's more like crowd trouble as well. There's, there's been a lot of things like, you know, objects being thrown at refs and things like that, games being interrupted. There's been a lot of mm. unrest off the pitch as well as with the refereeing decisions this season. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a good question. The referees haven't been, it's not been a great start to the season for refs, I'd say. I think there has been quite a lot of poor decisions, but that's part of football, isn't it? At the end of the day, you just have to live with it and deal with it. I don't think, I always, pre-VAR, Steve, I always felt that it would even itself out over a season. You might get a couple of bad decisions against you per season, but really, you know, the, the Championship player final was a great example for me because it was all about, oh, well, there's no VAR in the entire league season. Let's have VAR for this playoff final because, you know, it will kind of, make sure we get all the, re- the the decisions right for this huge game, if that makes sense. And they got two of the biggest decisions probably completely wrong. So that sums it up for me. It's still always going to be subjective. You're never going to have clear decisions that kind of um, really help. So, yes, the refs haven't been great, but is VR great? In my opinion, we're better off without it. It, it spoils it for me, the top leagues. I mean, even the Champions League final, how long were we waiting for some of them decisions? It was it was ridiculous, and even well, then, uh, probably the decisions weren't right. The disallowed goal for Liverpool. Yeah, but how long does it take? For, I mean, the disallowed goal for Real Madrid. Yeah, it took about ten minutes, didn't it? Like genuinely, I mean, it's just it doesn't solve anything. And uh, you know, I've obviously as a betting man, um, you know, I've had some times this year in Norway where I've looked back at a replay and I'm like, ah, oh, damn, that should have been a goal, or that should never have been a goal. There's a clear foul there. But you shake it off because it's done. The decision's in the book. You move on, and like it used to be. Um, but anyway, one more uh, question um, from Flying Dutchman. The Albion Nkwenko season, um, what do you make of that? Yeah, that's a question from, I can't remember who it's from. Uh, it Flying Dutchman, Flying Dutchman. Right, uh, yeah, thanks for that question. I mean, I don't know exactly the spirit of this question because I know there's been a bit of a mini rant on this one, actually, Steve, but Obviously, there's been, you know, the Silas and Wanko, the story behind him is that when he signed for Mialbi, the pictures uh, of him when he was announced at the club, obviously, you had, you know, the, the claim is that he's 18 years old, but in the picture, I think he looks, let's just say, a little bit older than 18, um, obviously being a Nigerian player. Um, but I have to say, I actually think this has been really overblown. And I think, I, I don't know, I mean, listen, my background is Nigerian, so of course I know that I know the age his, history of like cheating, age cheating, that kind of thing that's come at, at youth levels of Nigerian football. There's no denying that, but I actually think this is a little, little bit harsh. Nwanko in the games I've seen for Mialbi, he does not look like someone who's you know ridiculously old, if that makes sense. He does actually have quite a lithe frame about him, and you know I remember one of the goals he scored. I can't remember who it was against. It might have been serious. I'm trying to think in my mind, but he's actually um, he actually does have a kind of physique of a young player. So I don't. I don't really like this, if I'm honest. I think there's a bit of... I've seen a lot on Twitter about him and, you know, a lot of sort of snide comments about him and stuff like that. You know, people age it different ways. You know, there's a lot of players, Swedish players, who you would say, and you know, you don't exactly look young in themselves. So I think there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek there. I actually think Noen Wanko's had a decent season so far. Um, the, the thoughts were that Mamadou Mora would be the main man for them, but he's tailed off a little bit in recent weeks. 
And Wanko has added something a little bit different to them. Uh, Mialbi have kind of tailed off in, in recent weeks. They're not having the, you know, they've dropped down the table a little bit. That defence that was so solid has is, is, is got a little bit weaker. Um, injury to Kritzak has, hasn't helped him. Hasn't helped, obviously, he's been suspended, sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know really. That, I'm not entirely sure what the question is there with Wanko, if, if it's a genuine question or if it's, yeah. um, you know, kind of tongue in cheek. But he's got three goals this season. Um, in 325 minutes, so he is he is doing all right. Yeah, I think it was a serious game. Um, so I, I quite you know I think he's actually done better and deserves a little bit more credit than he's getting at the moment. I think the, the criticisms are I don't know the ins and outs of the situation in his background, but at the same time, uh, I I think it's a little bit harsh to just the ridiculous like over overblown reaction to him and the pictures. And just briefly, um, are you excited? This was a question from the man himself about the return of Mr. Ashley Coffey for the second half of the season, John. Well, what's happened to Ashley Coffey? I, I want to know myself. Where is he? I mean, this is a former guest, AFC Eskil Stooners, fine striker, Englishman, Yorkshireman, I believe. Uh, where is he? This seems to have disappeared. Um, I'm very excited for her, for your return, Ashley, if you're listening to this. Get get yourself on the show uh, while you're not doing much. If you're injured, I don't know. Get yourself as back as a guest or as a, as, as a pundit. Um and just briefly on Super Essen before we wrap up, Steve, Augury to bottom of the league. I mean, we're going to have another Gothenburg team maybe. Going I know. Oh, I saw and that. And it's awful. In the second bottom. So a real nightmare for those two O's at the moment. Um, something needs to be done about Gothenburg football, really, doesn't it? You know, if only there was an Englishman who could come in maybe and give some uh, recruitment advice or something to these clubs because uh, <laughs> it is not great seeing Geis and Augury going down to the third tier. I can tell you that as a, as a former Gothenburg uh, um, resident yeah resident shocking but yeah Ashley get yourself back on the show we, we miss you there's been a lot of other questions as well she couldn't do this show we've run out of time now thanks for your questions if we missed any off we'll do our best to do them next time as well CJ uh, as well we've not forgotten you mate uh, at Odin's Creation we'll get onto that one at the next uh, episode but uh, that's it for this one and uh, remember follow us on uh, the socials at Nordic Footpod at me man soccer for me at JF Football for you, Jonathan. Um, and that's it. Um, take care. See you next time. And uh, enjoy it, Jonathan, as ever. Yeah, I just want to give a, a quick shout out to um, Emil Koch, I think Lily White for Life, at Lily White for Life, Odin's Creation, who asked about Ham Cam, uh, and a few others. Um, we will try and answer some of those other questions, either, not, either on the weekend preview show or on next week's episode. So just remind us as well next week, if we haven't answered your question, just tweet it again and we'll get onto it next week. Cause we did have like literally more than 20 questions this week, which is hard to fit into one hour show, but thank you everyone. And don't forget patreon.com slash Nordic football podcast. Thanks so much to the new subscribers. And um, I guess in the next week or so, Steve, we'll be doing a lot of transfer stuff because we've, um, we've got a little bit of a break in terms of games now. Yeah. Well, we, we're doing some of that. We're doing some more Patreon stuff. And I said, thanks for them questions. Some really do deserve a great, dignified, long answer, actually. That's why we can't fit them in for this show. But, uh, yeah, thanks very much, Shell. Appreciate your support. Take care. Stay safe. See you next time. Goodbye from me. Goodbye, all.